0: Hey guys, this is Level Up, the podcast designed to help you win at work and make you master of your money. I'm your host, Jen Simons, and today we're talking about finding hope during this scary time. And creating a plan to keep ourselves in a positive mindset in order to find a way to thrive in spite of this crisis if you've been listening to our show for a while you'll know this is not our first discussion about mental health and employee wellness hop on over to www.upload.ph podcasts to listen to episodes one and two Or just hit follow or subscribe wherever you are listening now, and you'll always be up to date. At Upload, we work from the knowledge that prioritizing employee wellness makes business sense, and the foundation of wellness is really your frame of mind. It's super easy to let negative thoughts and feelings creep in during this COVID-19 pandemic. It's challenging us in ways we never could have imagined, from overdosing on family time, to schooling at home while working, or for some of us, adjusting to not working at all. These sudden drastic changes in the way we live are overwhelming. This episode is being recorded as we go into our seventh month of community quarantine in Metro Manila and we feel the risk in more than one area of our lives at this point, financially, physically, and mentally, we need support. So we're bringing in the experts. Over the next three episodes, we will build a roadmap together to find hope and positivity, gain stability in that mindset, and create a plan so that you can achieve your goals. Hope and a positive mindset have been proven to have many benefits. Among them are this striking statistic from Johns Hopkins University. People with a family history of heart disease who've also had a positive outlook were one third less likely to have a heart attack or other cardiovascular event within five to 25 years when compared to those with a more negative outlook. The World Health Organization has also established causation based on studies of people who fell ill during the Great Depression the cumulative effects of stress, grief, and anxiety provokes two things, vasospasm in the vascular system and immunodepression, the suppression of the immune system. So there is strong evidence from the medical community that a negative mental state can cause health issues. How can we not be in a negative mental state given the crisis we're currently experiencing? I could only think of one person to turn to, Dr. Omi Romero, who wrote a fantastic book about finding the power of rock bottom. Welcome to Level Up, Dr. Romero.
1: Thank you for inviting me, Jen.
0: You might recognize Dr. Romero from Episode 11, when we discussed how to find power in the purpose of your organization. His company, OTI Consulting, helps companies through difficult times and finds them great talent. I think of him as a company crisis counselor. He's recently written a fantastic book called The Boat Is Sinking, The Power of Rock Bottom. It's a workbook actually that guides the reader through a state of grief towards hope and renewal. Okay, I wanna talk about your book. Everybody can relate to your idea of the boat is singing. I think anybody who grew up here has played that game. And yeah. I love how you talk about that change that happens in the room. Once you start playing that game, titles are stripped away and everybody's yeah. just scrambling to survive the game. That's right, yeah. And your instincts kick in. The animal instinct that's kicking in for a lot of us is fear.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, fear. First of all, I just wanted to share something I learned about fear. Somebody shared, I think it was Joey Bonifacio who shared that fear could be an acronym to stand for false expectations appearing real. And he shared a study that showed that out of the 100% of things that we fear, only 5% actually happen. And so we waste a lot of time on the 95%. I like going back to 1986 because if I were to tell you what happened in 1986, anyone listening to it would say that was a bad year. But for me, when I look back, I'd say that was a banner year. First of all, January, my dad passed away, January 86. And then three or four months later, I was kicked out of a job because the, the company I was working with, I was a few months into it was acquired by another company and they took out all the people that didn't belong to them so i lost my job no savings and a month later uh rosan my wife was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and we would joke about it and say this is a illness of the proud sakit ng mayabang because even if you had all the money even if you had all the contact there was no cure to it and now she's 34 years into it and she's still moving around but why am i saying it was a banner year because it was during that year that i felt being molded into what i was supposed to be i even uh went into what my friends jokingly called alpine industry whatever you need alpine it (laughs) and so i got into all sorts of things selling um Nylon products, uh, insurance, everything just to make a living. Eventually, that year led me to make a decision just to be on my own, being an entrepreneur. And as I look back into the formation of the discipline of realizing I had nothing financially, the discipline of realizing that I had to trust in God tremendously, recognizing the value of being united with Rosanne. Why we heard of that difficult time was we didn't even fight about money. We didn't even quarrel about money. We just kept on going and going and going. And then the good thing is the difficult adversities we face during that year, we find ourselves helping people who are in similar circumstances. And they tell us we are credible because we've been there, we've done that. Your misery becomes your ministry.
0: I saw a really cool example of that in your book where you share also another personal story from your childhood where you grew up in a house of conflict and my parents were always fighting too. I mean, that was just, you know, now. I mean, they're still together and they're still always fighting. That's just how they are. Um, But I still have not found... I guess, the benefit of that. But you did. You found um, something that benefited you in that.
1: At first, I thought it was my dysfunction because I grew up trying to avoid all kinds of conflict. In fact, I felt it was a dysfunction because I I wouldn't even confront anyone. I was just always being friendly, always wanting to be accepted, you know. I'll find
0: it. I'll find it. Don't worry.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But at some point, I began taking on the lessons of how I brought mama and papa together and how I even sought help from other elders to say, I think that exposure to conflict gave me a passion to reconcile people. And I found it among my friends who are married and having difficulty. I was the one putting them together. And then eventually, here's the big story. Most of my work in organizations now have to do with conflict resolution at the board level among senior managers. My second and en- consulting engagement had to do with the senior management uh, roundtable, and we were supposed to strategize for the next three years. Guess what we ended up doing for the next two days? Instead of strategizing, we did conflict resolution. I found out that the president was being resisted by the the management team. And so I I was just led just to facilitate uh, feedback and disclosure and getting them to a clearing, bring them to a clearing. I believe it's a God-given gift that he turned that fear of conflict into something now that I can use to bring organizations together. You know what, Jen? I don't know if this is true with your company or with companies of those listening to this conversation. There will always be conflict because we are diff, we're all different, right? We're all different, and we all have differences. Sa Tagalog, tayo may And that was one of the blessings that I have. So I don't know, even in our family, Jen, I'm youngest of seven. You know, there are fam- our siblings, uh, as siblings, we've gone through very major conflicts together as a family. Ironically, the youngest, I'm the youngest, and they ask me to bring people to a clearing so that we wow. can be... Re- <laughs> amazing, no? Without it's a any gift. Without planning it. Yeah, it's such a, such a big it's thing a gift.
0: You talk about when you're at rock bottom, you think about what do you have? Mm. And so that goes back to the reflecting... Part of things and the reassessment yes. um, that you want to do very often. How do we conquer fear enough to reflect and identify what we have, though? Like, what tools can we use? You know
1: what helped Rosanne and I uh, hurdle our difficulty when I lost my job, no money, no, parang no sight of employment coming coming soon. It was us having a conversation almost. All day, whenever we could get together, just chatting about what could God be doing here? What's the good that can be coming out of this? What are we learning out of this? Then from day to day, it's just what we what we build on and we just realize that God is able to turn our pain, whatever pain, into purpose. Because the pain that you experience oftentimes becomes the source of your passion. And that passion becomes the source of your purpose, it gives you a driving force. That, Like in my case, you know, having been exposed to conflict at a young age, whenever I see people in conflict, I do anything and everything I can to bring them together, sometimes even unsolicited, many times unsolicited. One of the things that I also realize is that many are strong at their broken places. You ask individuals or organizations, what are their broken places or what are the adversities that they face that almost broke them? And you'll realize that that's where they're strongest because they went through something like that. Organizationally, I've had a conglomerate in Indonesia that went through the Asian financial crisis in 1997. And uh, we had the series, the, the president had a good sense to engage us. And we went through a process of identifying what could be their next steps. They saw that alls were closed for them to be doing business in Indonesia. They started knocking outside. They started knocking on doors in Vietnam, in the Middle East. And guess where they are today? Today, they're among the strongest companies in their field in Vietnam and in the Middle East. And I happened to meet the president in Changi Airport after two or three years. And he said, in Indonesian, he said, Mr. Omi, if we didn't do what we did before, reflecting on our adversity and translating it into opportunity, we would have been gone before, years back. But thank God that we, we, we went through that conversation of understanding what can we take out of this situation so that we can move further. And that's a story that comes almost always with organizations we've worked with. Any organization, any individual, will always have a broken place. And we just need to look at that and leverage on what will be their strength arising out of that. Interesting, no?
0: Yes, and that actually reminds me of the parts between the chapters of your book where it's <laughs> it's like a workbook. Yes. Um y- you actually have guide questions for your reader. I imagine that it's a similar sort of question that you or conversation that you have with your clients.
1: Yes, yes. And the, you know one of our managing consultants read the book and she said, "Oh, me, it's like you holding a workshop." Yeah, You know, one of the things that I like uh, emphasizing to organizations, even to individuals, is the difficulty you're going through is just a season. It's not your destiny. It's just a time of testing. It's just a time of strengthening. Many times, if we don't arrest that thought, we will be so focused on our mistakes, on what we did wrong, that it will become a dysfunction. And And to that, I tell them, Our past mistakes individually or organizationally are not meant to define us, but they're meant to guide us.
0: So introspection and reflection and conversation are the main things that I am hearing from you that we can use to get unstuck and shift our mindset from being fearful to being hopeful.
1: Yes, yes. Jen, I I just listened to a policymaker in Singapore is both a poet and a policymaker in Singapore.
0: Oh, beautiful.
1: Beautiful combination. And he said that one of the effective ways now to define a policy at national level is to think of poems, to think of metaphors. And because he said, by the words you use, you define the actions you're going to take. So he said, pandemic, COVID-19 pandemic, we use war language. We talk about flattening the curve. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking about battling the infection. We're talking about tracing the enemy, tracing the contact tracing, you know, all of mm-hmm. this. However, he said, uh, we have found it helpful in the Singapore parliament to use metaphors that open our minds to something else. Like, for example, how about we think of the pandemic as a journey, a journey whose destination you don't, you're not sure about. So when you begin thinking of COVID-19 pandemic as a journey, you begin putting a new perspective. Also, it's a journey. So uh, who are you with in the journey? So how important is it to have relationships in that journey? Uh, how are you going? Are you going to be in a hurry or will you take your time? And then he also said, sometimes you also think of the COVID-19 pandemic as an ecology. He said, so maybe we, we will have COVID-19 for the rest of our lives as part of our ecology. So how do we live with it? You know. So all of, all of these things, so I, I share that because I think when we all go through rock bottoms, it's important what words we use to describe it. Is it going to be something that brings us down, that defines us negatively, or is it something that will build us up, that will define us, our future? So that we don't look so much at our mistakes as a setback. One of the things in the book, right, is it's not a setback; it's a setup. I'm going to share with you a uh, two faith-based statements. One comes from Genesis chapter fifty, verse twenty, and it says, "What was meant for your evil, I will turn to good." Uh, this was actually Joseph telling his brothers who sold him to slavery. Because they found out, oh, so you're you're Joseph, the brother we threw away. But he forgave them and he said, the harm that you meant for me, God turned for good. So that number one, whatever adversity we're going through, God is able to. God is so big, he can make it turn for your good. And then the second one is from Exodus chapter four. Easy to remember, Exodus chapter 14, verse 14. And it's a very familiar verse. It says, be still before me, and I will do the fighting for you. The scenario with that was the Israelites had just gotten out of Egypt, then they realized that the Egyptians were chasing them from the bank, you know, and they were they had nothing to defend them, and then guess what was in front of them the Red Sea <laughs> But where are we going right, yeah. but yet in the midst of all of that, that was the word that God gave to them. Be still. And I will do the fighting for you. So moving forward, I don't mean to simplify or to look down on what people, the difficulties that people are going through. This is such a difficult time. But like our uh, senior consultant, Roy Cruz, uh, shared with us, you know, I've come to realize that God is bigger than COVID and he surrounds COVID. And he said, at this point, there's no way for me but to trust him, to turn to him and ask him for help.
0: Though it's not typical to speak about spirituality in a business environment, it's not a typical time, is it? According to Jeanette Sindang Benson, professor of economics at the University of Copenhagen, Google searches for prayer began to skyrocket as the pandemic spread, doubling for every 80,000 new cases of COVID-19. Likewise, downloads for top Bible and Quran apps broke new records. A connection to the beyond and an acknowledgement of the human spirit is one of the revolutions that this new normal has brought to the surface. We saw this as a fundamental pillar of Qualphone's successful mission team. At Qualphon, they have care managers to administer to the spiritual and emotional needs of their employees. Check out episode 11 for more on how this has made a positive impact on the multi-award-winning BPO. It's also a core element of Ariana Huffington's new venture, Thrive Global, a platform that helps companies like Accenture, Walmart, and Salesforce improve well-being and performance in tandem. She says, without this foundation, We are blown off course again and again by the multiple storms of this pandemic, deep uncertainty, and economic losses.
1: My experience tells me as I turn to faith-based principles, it's there that I can draw my strength from. I hope that helps, Jen.
0: I'm sure it will, Dr. Romero. Your time is so precious and we really appreciate all of this insight and inspiration. And I know that it's going to help a lot of our community turn towards hope and find strength in their purpose. So, try to think of fear as false expectations appearing real. Connect with a partner or your community to discuss what's happening and what hidden lessons there might be in the difficulty of the moment. Journaling might also be helpful if that's easier for you. Instead of allowing anxiety to limit your thoughts, take every opportunity to reflect. Schedule it if you must. Take three deep breaths and ask yourself, what remains in my hands as a resource. Be aware of the language you're using, and if you can, reframe the situation to make it easier to see in a different way. psychologytoday.com tells us that positive reframing does not change the situation, but it can certainly reduce damage and put things into a healthier perspective. If you're having trouble changing your perspective, take a break. Write down three things you're grateful for. I know it might sound cheesy, but counting your blessings has a greater impact on mental state than any other intervention. According to Harvard Medical School, they've published multiple studies on how gratitude helps people feel more positive emotions, improve their health, deal with adversity, and build strong relationships. Remember, this is a difficult time, but it is just that, a time. You can get Dr. Omi's book at TheBoatIsSyncing.com. And I'll see you next time to develop an action plan that you can use with your teams to find a stable foundation and grow toward your goals, even during these uncertain times. We will have a guest who's a contributor from Thrive Global. I'm super excited. Until then, keep your head up, baby. You got this.